I'm Dane Elliott with Elliott Ranches in Pawnee, Texas. You're listening to the latest news in Texas agriculture on Texas Ag Today. Welcome to Texas Ag Today, a daily look at the latest news in Texas agriculture. Texas Ag Today is produced by the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network with the largest farm news team in the Lone Star State. Now here's the host of Texas Ag Today, Carrie Martin. Hello, Texas. A new year is upon us, and we're going to kick it off right with another edition of Texas Ag Today. So why don't you jump on in with me and buckle up? We're going to take a ride around the Lone Star State as we cover the most important industry in this greatest state in the nation, Texas agriculture. In the news today, the wool industry is struggling to export wool right now, and with Texas being the top wool-producing state, it's having an effect on Texas sheep producers. We'll have more on that coming up to kick off today's show. My name is Kerry Martin. I'm your host along with the largest and most experienced farm news team in the Lone Star State. And we're all standing by to bring you the latest news in Texas agriculture. From the Piney Woods of East Texas to the Rocky Ranges of the Trans-Pecos. And from the Panhandle down to the Rio Grande Valley. In the Texas High Plains, growing corn is becoming more challenging year by year. I'm James Hunt, and coming up on Texas Ag Today, we'll talk about some upcoming meetings that will offer advice to farmers on how to keep going with corn. Building solutions for farmers with a new herbicide for Texas soybeans. I'm Tom Nicoletti, and I'll have that story on Texas Ag Today. 2022 is a year that will be remembered as a year of drought here in Texas. Farmers and ranchers are looking forward to better times ahead. Hello, I'm Barry Mahler, and I have the story in today's report. We'll have those stories plus Texas wildlife news and a complete look at the markets all coming up. The wool industry is struggling a bit right now with over half of American wool going to export markets. Peter Orwig is executive director of the American Sheep Industry Association. He says a strong dollar is making it tough to sell American wool on the world market. We traditionally export 50 to 60 percent of the American wool clip, and that's primarily because that's where the textile equipment is. We have a supply chain in the U.S. that we use for the U.S. military uniforms, but beyond that, most of that equipment is located in Asia and Europe. So we focus a lot of our efforts with the exporters, a lot of whom happen to be Texas-based wool traders, helping them find new markets and really facilitate the trade they do in China. And depending on countries like China makes the situation even worse. It's just got their difficulties. There's some retaliatory tariffs that were put on there due to the trade war in 18 and 19. And then you just have their continuing to go through the lockdown. So we lose entire mills because the labor isn't there to produce the wool. So we're looking at markets around the world. But even if you find a European customer, they may still be processing in China. The strength of the U.S. dollar just gives us headwind to try to export anything. Orwig says the situation isn't all bad. Shipping containers are much more available than they were a year ago, and shipping costs have come down quite a bit. The entire U.S. sheep and wool industry will be in Fort Worth in a few weeks for the American Sheep Industry Convention, January 18th through the 21st. 
Cattle producers in wetter Texas climates have always dealt with liver flukes. The liver fluke has a really interesting life cycle and involves a snail. So in environments where that snail is present, typically slow-draining, low-lying areas, marshy-type areas, that's the general environment where the fluke was known to be present. That's Dr. John Robinson with Beringer Ingelheim Animal Health, and he says liver flukes are now spreading to much drier climates. But we have diagnosed the liver fluke in native cattle in Kansas, Oklahoma, Missouri, just this calendar year. So what that tells us is the long-standing idea that the liver fluke was a Gulf Coast problem probably needs to be challenged a little bit. And now is the time to be treating for them. When you think about specifically to Texas, the geography of the fluke is expanding. And be mindful of the drugs that we have available. Those drugs are effective against the adult stage of the fluke only. And in Texas and along the Gulf Coast, the adult stage of the fluke is present in the fall of the year. So it's from September through November, December time frame is really the best opportunity to use the available drugs to address the fluke problem in adult cattle. Dr. John Robinson, Beringer Ingelheim Animal Health. He's based in Shiner, Texas. Growing corn is becoming more challenging on the Texas High Plains, but James Hunt says the demand for corn will continue. In recent years, we've talked about how it's becoming increasingly challenging to grow corn due to our region's water resources being on the decline. Still, there is significant local demand for that crop. In our area, we got a lot of dairies, we have a lot of feedlots, and those guys want corn to feed the animals. The question is, how do we raise more corn on less water? And what can we do most effectively or efficiently on our farm to get that done? That's Rex Brandon with Pioneer Seed, who says strategies for growing corn will be a big topic at the annual crop production clinics Pioneer is offering around our area in the coming weeks. Brandon says farmers who attend those sessions can receive guidance based on input from local agronomists and other Pioneer and Corteva experts. We put that together into a book. And we can kind of give you an expectation if you've got a full profile of moisture, if you've got this much water of irrigation, and you've got this much time to do it, if you plan on these dates, this is what can realistically be expected. Now, about those Pioneer producer meetings. There will be eight of them all together with other topics on the agenda, such as water conservation, pest control, and the market outlook for 2023. The meetings are free, and there will be several CEUs available. The first of the Pioneer meetings is January 9th in Dalhart, with others to follow in Dumas, Stratford, Spearman, Panhandle, Hereford, Muleshoe, and Plainview. We'll have more information about the meetings in future reports, or in the meantime, you can contact your Pioneer sales representative for more details. Texas A&M AgriLife also has a bunch of meetings coming up, so contacting your local extension office about those opportunities is also a good idea. I'm James Hunt on the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network. Texas soybean growers will soon have another tool to help control weeds. Tom Nicoletti has more. My guest today is James Cody. He is Strategic Marketing Manager for UPL. And uh, James, you folks are addressing uh, weed resistance and working on uh, helping farmers in Texas and uh, other areas in the soybean area. Uh, Tell us about your latest uh, new herbicide and uh, what it's going to uh, do to help those producers. I think where I'd like to start is resistance management in general. And anywhere in the U.S. today, resistance is an issue. And so I think what UPL is trying to do overall is build solutions solutions for farmers and not just only specific products. There's no silver bullet, but really how do we think about it from 
from a program approach, multiple crops, multiple years to make sure that we can stay ahead of the resistance issue and also herbicide sustainability to make sure that we are using products in the right way so that we can keep them in our toolbox. And so our first kind of foundational product for that as we think about the long term is a product called Preview 2.1 SC, which is a liquid premix of metribuzin and sulfentrazone. And it's a two to one ratio, but what's kind of unique about the Preview 2.1 is the liquid formulation and that it's a patent pending formulation that what we're seeing when we, this formulation is giving us longer residual control, extended residual control. We're getting superior crop safety and really just the flexible use of the liquid product and tank mix partner has been really good. Getting started early to make sure we have a good solid foundation from a pre-emergent perspective to make sure that soybean growers have an opportunity to be flexible with their decisions as we get into that early post or later applications. That is James Cody. He is strategic marketing manager with UPL. I'm Tom Nicoletti with the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network. 2022 will be remembered as a year of drought here in Texas. Barry Mahler says Rolling Plains farmers are looking forward to better times ahead in 2023. I remember the great anticipation for 2022 last year because all the problems COVID had brought the year before. And although COVID is still with us and probably will be for a while, we've at least learned how to manage it better. COVID didn't shut down very many farmers and ranchers. They have things to do every day that won't wait, such as taking care of livestock and being timely with planting and harvest. But the support and supply industry did shut down, and we are still feeling it with shortages and higher prices. 2022 will be remembered here on the Rolling Plains as another year of drought, much like 2011. But this one actually took its toll on the cotton crop more than the 2011 situation. Even though there are many disaster acres on the rolling plains, there were some pretty good irrigated yields here and there. Uh, some of that cotton is still being harvested as the hot, dry weather and then late rain altered the maturity for the crop. One of the challenges for cotton farmers moving forward is a price that's trending lower due to lower world demand, and we're not seeing the dollar-plus prices per pound that were available a year ago. The forecast calls for a wetter spring and summer for 23, but the price will continue to be a challenge. The wheat crop harvested in the spring was poor to fair due to the drought, and just like cotton, there's been some pressure on prices and possibly more to come. The big factor seems to be if Ukraine will be able to continue to export in 23 and beyond. They seem to be the big question mark for the world market as they've become the largest world exporter of wheat. That was before the Russian invasion. Drought also was tough on cattle business with many cows hauled to market due to lack of feed and water. The market seems low considering the reduction of the herd, but the bright spot is that retail beef sales have held up better than most would have expected, even with higher prices in the meat case. Higher prices for competing meat could also be a part of why we've continued to buy beef at a higher dollar value. Planning is difficult going into 2023, mainly due to very high input costs and an unsure economy worldwide. But as always, our farmers and ranchers will persevere, and they're working on a plan even as we speak. Reporting from North Central Texas, I'm Barry Muller for Texas Ag Today. USDA is working to advance research on COVID in animals. I'm Jessica Domel, and I'll have more coming up on Texas Ag Today. And foaling season is just ahead. Texas veterinarian Dr. Bob Judd has more on that coming up next 
right here on Texas Ag Today. Texas Farm Bureau has served farm families in rural Texas for nearly 90 years. We're pleased to offer new affordable health care coverage choices for all Texans through Texas Farm Bureau Health Plans. You do not need to be a member to inquire and apply. Plans are available anytime. There is no open enrollment period. Our United Healthcare Choice Plus network of providers is one of the largest available. For more information about the different plans, how to apply, or to get a quote for you, your family, or your small business, visit tfbhealth.com. We're keeping you informed on everything happening in Texas agriculture on Texas Ag Today. Foaling season is just ahead. Dr. Bob Judd says nutrition plays a large role in developing the potential of a horse. Dr. Tony Hawkins talks about the health and nutrition of young horses in the horse publication. Deworming is an important management practice in foals as parasites can diminish a horse's immunity, rob horses of nutrition, and even damage internal organs. The most important parasite in a young foal is roundworms, and the larval stages of this parasite migrate through the lungs and can cause a cough, difficulty breathing, and even lung damage. And ascarids are somewhat resistant to some commonly used dewormers like ivermectin and quest. Although these dewormers are the most effective for parasites that affect adult horses, they are not very effective against roundworms, and strongid and panicure are much more effective. It is interesting that these dewormers are not very effective at all in the parasites of concern in adult horses. Fecal egg per gram testing can be used as foals get a little older to determine the number of parasites present, but because foals are more susceptible to parasites, Many foals are dewormed every two months until they are one year old and then four times a year as yearlings. As far as vaccination in foals, the first thing to check is to make sure your pregnant mares are vaccinated so they can transmit immunity to the newborn foals through colostrum or the first milk. We usually start vaccinating foals at four months of age, but be sure and check with your equine veterinarian. As far as nutrition, forage should be the basis of any nutritional program in young and older horses. Trace minerals are also important and should be supplemented if there is a possibility that any of the trace minerals, including copper, zinc, and manganese, are deficient. I'm Dr. Bob Judd, and this is the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network. USDA is working to advance research on COVID-19 in animals. Jessica Domel has more in today's Wildlife Report. The U.S. Department of Agriculture is working on various projects to better detect and understand the COVID virus and its variants in both wild and domestic animals. Mike Watson, Associate Administrator of USDA's Animal and Plant Health Inspection Service, says SARS-CoV-2, the virus that causes COVID-19 in humans, is a member of the coronavirus family. He said coronaviruses are not new or unique, and they've been seen previously in animals. One of the reasons why we were able to come up with a relatively quick test for the virus is because this virus family has occurred over the years in different animals, and that experience allowed us to come up with those initial tests to be able to determine where the virus exists and what the strains are, those kind of things. Watson said research is underway to develop new tests and tools to track and identify the COVID virus and its variants in animals. APHIS has partnered with the Agricultural Research Service to support five American Rescue Plan Act funded research projects to advance our understanding of SARS-CoV-2 in animals. 
two of these studies focused on developing an easy-to-use assay for SARS-CoV-2 for rapid test. And this rapid test is available to allow us to detect COVID in both wild and domestic animals. The rapid tests are being developed using previously unavailable technologies. Watson said without the rapid tests, it takes certified labs to do the tests for COVID-19 in animals, and that can take several days or longer. He said a quicker positive or negative detection for COVID in animals would help improve response times by animal and wildlife health officials. For the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network, I'm Jessica Domel. The cattle market wrapped up the week lower on Friday, but we saw a big jump in the wheat market. We'll check out all of Friday's livestock, cotton, grain, energy, and financial markets coming up next. Keep it right here on Texas Ag Today. After my first car accident, I feared the biggest damage would be to my wallet. I expected a mountain of bills and a long, drawn-out process. But my Texas Farm Bureau insurance agent was there when I needed her and helped me get back on my feet and in my car in no time. Instead of a hassle, I got reassurance and a quick recovery. Visit Texas Farm Bureau Insurance today at tfbinsurance.com to find an agent who's there when you need them most. Coverage and discounts are subject to qualifications and policy terms and may vary by situation. We're giving you the market information you need on Texas Ag Today. The cattle futures market wrapped up the trading week lower on Friday. We finished in the red on both live and feeder cattle. February live cattle down 95 cents at 157.90. April down 65, 161.80. January feeder cattle down 10 cents Friday, finishing at 183.70. March feeders down 55, 186.22, while April was down 52 cents, 189.62. Cash fed cattle market last week. Feedlots managed to get another dollar out of the Packers. We saw sales here in Texas at 157. That is a dollar higher compared to the previous week. Boxed beef sales higher on Friday. Choice up 319, 282.05. Select up $1.63 at 252.33. Now let's check the auction barns. We're walking the pens with Larry Marble. My friend Jim Wheeler has taken two weeks off during the Christmas New Year's holiday. I like to talk to my producers and see what they've been doing during that time off. Jim, what have you been up to? Breaking water trawls. Yeah. Breaking the ice off water trawls. Yeah, it got pretty thick down there? Uh, yes, sir. It was uh, about three inches thick, and some of those little half rounds we got that are two foot long, they were pretty much solid. Yeah, yeah, I can imagine. I can imagine they'd get real uh, cold real fast. Uh, yes, sir. We talked about the wheat and the oats, and I told you I thought it probably looked like an old man's hair. Is that about right? Yes, sir. They got uh, burned a little bit in the cold snap we had. I think we had four. Uh, I think the worst night was like 19, 22, and then like 27, and 32, I guess it was last night. Yeah, and, and no moisture since I spoke to you last? Uh, No, sir, and we're sure in need of it. Right. An inch, inch and a half of rain would be beautiful right now. Oh, yeah, oh, yeah. And I guess, too, the folks that had grazed their oats down a little bit did better than the ones that didn't have any cattle on it? 
Correct. We had some about four or five inches tall we were going to turn in on, and we just had to move the cattle. Uh-huh. And, uh, yeah, they kind of kind of burn them pretty good. Yeah. Do you think it'll come back? I sure hope so. I think it will if we get a little moisture on it. All right. Well, we'll, we'll pray for that. Now, we are going to come back after the holiday, and you said the first sale will be when? Uh, first sale will be January 3rd, and we will be open on Sunday the 1st to receive cattle if anybody wants to work cattle on New Year's Day. We'll be ready for them. All right. Jim Wheeler, Atascosa Livestock, getting ready for this next new year. Y'all have a good one. We'll do our best to help you. Tell everybody how to get a hold of you. Reach us at 830-569-2516. All right. We appreciate you, and we'll talk to you later. Thank you, sir. Neighbor, that's our Livestock Auction Market Report. We'll see you next time right here as we walk the pens. I'm Larry Marble for Texas Ag Today. Thanks, Larry. Back over to the futures market now. We're lean hogs finished lower on Friday. February hogs down 97 cents at 87.70. April down 40, 95.30. Class 3 milk lower also. December milk down 4 cents at 20.47 a hundredweight, while January milk was down 23 at 19.50 a hundred. The cotton market saw gains on Friday, getting some support from the weekly export sales report released Friday morning. The report showed net sales of 82,300 running bales. That is a big turnaround from the previous week's report, which actually showed a negative number because China was canceling on several orders. March cotton up 76 points Friday, closing at 83.40. New crop December cotton up 46 at 80.70 cents. The corn market had a slight loss on Friday. March corn dropped a penny, 6.78 and a half, while new crop September corn was down two and three quarters, 6.27 a bushel. The wheat market sharply higher, taking back most of the losses we saw on Thursday. Support came from the weather forecast. The Southern Plains short-term outlook looks mostly dry and warmer. March Kansas City wheat up 21 and a half at 888 a bushel. New crop July wheat up 21, 876 and a half. Same thing on the soft wheat market. March Chicago wheat up 18 cents, 792 a bushel. New crop July up 17 and three quarters at 803. In the energy markets, February natural gas down eight cents Friday at 447. February West Texas crude up a dollar 43. 79.83 a barrel. The financial markets lower Friday afternoon. The Dow down 310 points at 32,910. The Nasdaq down 118 points, 10,385. The S&P down 42 at 3,807. That wraps up our look at the markets, and that wraps up this edition of Texas Ag Today. I'm Kerry Martin. Hope to see you next time as we cover the most important industry in this greatest state in the U.S. of A. Texas Agriculture. Thanks for listening to Texas Ag Today. Be sure to subscribe to our podcast on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, or Spotify. For more Texas Ag news and information, check out our website at texasfarmbureau.org or tfbradio.com. Texas Ag Today is a production of the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network.